Hello, my fellow sovereigns, and welcome back to another episode of The Princess and the Bee. I am so excited to be here with you on International Women's Day because there is no better guest than that I could think of to showcase than Dr. Valerie Rain, who literally wrote the book on patriarchy stress disorder. This interview was mad awakening for me. Everything in this interview that Dr. Valerie shares is a symptom of patriarchy stress disorder. I was like, I, I was fist bumping, I was cheering, I was high-fiving the invisible women who have gone before me as as I was in this interview. I literally am so excited to lean into this interview because I could give you a whole fancy like description, but it's so rich and so good that I just want you to dive into it. And I am so excited for you to share it with other women who may be blaming themselves or um, I work with a lot of high achieving women who like to put themselves at fault i.e. blaming themselves for their stuff, for some of their problems or inconsistencies or things. And due to generational patterning and generational uh, trauma that basically we as women can have still stored in our bodies, this episode, I hope, will give you some grace and compassion on these patterns that maybe we have, as women have just learned due to patriarchy stress disorder. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold it off there because Dr. Valerie is the best at leaning into this subject. So I hope you enjoy. And with that, I give you Dr. Valerie Rain. Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life, body, business, bank account, boys and babies. Let's make it rain. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Princess and the Bee. I am so excited to be here with you and my guest who I have literally been wanting on this podcast for months now, ever since I found her on Instagram with her book on patriarchy stress disorder. I have the amazing, talented Dr. Valerie Rain with me today on helping you become the best that you can be while overcoming this generational trauma of the patriarchy. So Dr. Valerie, I'm so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here, Kimberly. Thank you so much. So what is patriarchy stress disorder? Can you just explain that? Absolutely. Women have been oppressed for millennia. Women's bodies did not belong to women. Women's children did not belong to women. Women couldn't love who they loved. 
couldn't marry who they loved, couldn't, couldn't get a divorce for many, many generations, and certainly could not make their own money, could not own profitable business. So what this is in this day and age when we have the opportunity to do all of that is the trauma that lives in our nervous system. It lives in our subconscious and it perceives opportunity as a threat because all these things that now we have the opportunity to do, be visible, make lots of money, love who we love, have amazing intimacy in our relationships, shine brightly, live authentically, unapologetically. All of that has been prohibited and punishable on the patriarchy for women for thousands of years. And so that's what I have termed patriarchy stress disorder is the reaction of our nervous system in response to all these opportunities that can go either one of two ways. It can either hold us back from reaching for our authentic desires or you know, we'll do mindset work, we'll overcome, we'll do it, but we're not able to fully enjoy it. There's always that next thing. We're not there yet, or we're achieving here, but something is falling apart over there. And I'm here to share with you and your listeners that it's not our fault, right? It's not us getting in our own way. It's not us holding us back. It is PSD, it's intergenerational trauma, and these trauma defenses that exist to keep us safe. And we can get into that, what exactly that means and how that shows up. Yes, absolutely. I would love to know first, because I think some listeners may be more aware of how generational trauma shows up in the nervous system, and some may be like, wait, you mean for for centuries that this is like something that shows up in me and in my DNA? Like, can you explain some of the science behind how generational trauma shows up? Absolutely. When I was working on my book, I came across the study that became kind of my go-to for explaining exactly how intergenerational trauma is created and transmitted. In this study, researchers introduced the smell of cherry blossoms to mice while simultaneously zapping their feet with mild electric shocks. These mice were then bred and their children and their grandchildren, when exposed to the smell of cherry blossoms, showed a strong fear and anxiety reaction, okay? So PST is women fearing the smell of cherry blossoms. Everything that we authentically desire that has been historically prohibited and punishable for women under patriarchy. And by means way harsher than mild electric shocks. Women literally were uh, burnt at the stake, locked up in asylums, uh, excommunicated, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I hope that this study paints the picture of this transmission being literally genetic through genetic expression. Because as far as we know, mice don't have storytelling in the human way. So we can't even say, oh, yeah, they heard about it from their their grandparents. And those consequent generations were never exposed to mild electric shocks. However, 
not only their bodies knew about cherry blossoms, they actually had more receptors for, de for detecting the smell of cherry blossoms specifically based on that trauma. That is how miraculous our bodies are. And just think about it for a moment. Oh my gosh, women, we're so hyper attuned to everything that can go wrong and for survival, right? And part of it, okay, it makes us great caretakers. But on the other hand, it is burning us out. And oftentimes it is holding us back, right? And certainly holding us back from feeling relaxed, happy, fulfilled, feeling pleasure, et cetera, et cetera, enjoying the good lives that we have. Oh, there's so much I want to dive dive into because I've heard of that study with mice and it it blew my mind. Have there been additional studies that you've seen since that trace it back farther than just the three generations? I think they use three generations for kind of to establish that this transmittability happens. I haven't seen studies that go further. I'm not saying that there are none, but there certainly is a scope of studies across different experiences for humans as well that paint the picture. One thing I want to say, it's very exciting that science is showing us oh, what is happening. And ancient wisdom traditions have talked about intergenerational transmission forever, way before Western science started catching up to it. In um, Native American traditions, for example, it's an established frame that, you know, our actions affect seven generations, right? And, and I believe this gives me chills. Mm -hmm. Biblical too, because I, I, I remember bringing up this study with my mom and she is a hardcore Christian and she was like, oh, that's biblical. And I, oh, I wow. said, in, so it's apparently in the it's seven generations as well in the Bible as well that they mention. Wow, I, I did not I did not know about that and didn't realize that it's it's very cool. So human knowledge has been around for thousands of years and science is just beginning to catch up. It's exciting to see that kind of you know the scientific angle and I think also kind of trusting that we've known for a long time and now we're getting additional validation. So what does patriarchal stress disorder really look like? How does it manifest in women from from what you've seen in your in your experience? Yeah, in so many ways, a really short answer would be pretty much anything you tried. Uh, not you personally, every listener, right, including myself, uh, anything we tried to fix in ourselves is probably traceable to one kind of trauma or another. The inner critic, the imposter syndrome, right? Self-sabotage, trouble finding uh, the one, finding and establishing that loving, intimate, whole relationship or feeling lonely in your relationship, knowing that you have some patterns that get in the way, either you stonewall or you get angry, or whatever you do, the patterns, right? Reaching for alcohol, overeating, over shopping, overworking, everything that you might have tried solving 
Maybe you thought to yourself, I just need a better daily planner and I'll get more organized, right? Maybe you went to therapy, maybe you tried coaching. And I'm here to introduce this missing link in uncovering intergenerational and and personal traumas too that, that are behind these patterns. Again, not you, not your fault. And most of these patterns serve an adaptive purpose, serve a protective purpose, which may be out of date, which may need to be revisited. And it absolutely can be changed. And the way we work with that, it don't start at the tip of the iceberg. Let's just attack the pattern. Let's attack the pattern. We don't touch the pattern. We touch the body of the iceberg. We melt the body of the iceberg, so to speak, and then the pattern goes away. And so how do you start that melting process, especially with a, a pattern of the patriarchy that, that is still present today in many areas, mm-hmm. especially when women are coming in, in and interacting with experiences that can trigger that trauma? Absolutely. How do you start melting that? Absolutely. I'm so, so glad that you brought that up, Kimberly, because un, unlike the mice in the experiment, our trauma uh, get gets triggered. Like the electric shocks are not gone. Women's bodies are being policed all over, right? You go out there, if you, especially if you uh, live in an urban environment, there, there's catcalling, there, there, there is unwanted uh, attention violation of boundaries. Women are still not listened to. Women are still discredited. Uh, we work with a lot of women who've worked so hard to advance professionally, uh, hoping that once they're at a certain level, then they will be listened to. And then they find themselves as the only woman at the table or the only the, the only woman of color at the table. And they're still that one person who is discredited. And it's so painful and it's everywhere, right? So the, the triggers are not gone. And PSD is also a collective trauma. So even if we happen to live in, in a country at a time where we have more significantly more rights, we're exposed to news throughout the world where women still are undergoing genital mutilation, forced marriage, where it's illegal for a woman to walk down the street without a man, right? It's it's dire. And okay, we know consciously, okay, I'm safe. That's not me. But the message that a woman's life, a woman's body, a woman's contribution in the world is worth less than a man's is there is there. And it's also there. uh, I live in the United States and um, the United States has never had a woman president, right? In all its history. I mean, that's also a message loud and clear that we get. Like we have all this talk and all this rhetoric about, oh, you can be whatever you want to be. Well, but we're not stupid. Like, where's the proof? Like over 90% of Fortune 500 company CEOs are white men. It's everywhere, right? So it's being re-triggered. And thank you so much for bringing this up. It's important to understand that we are triggered all the time. And 
I'm actually working on a series right now, specifically unpacking how these triggers are showing up and how our trauma defenses are responding. So we can talk a little bit about that in the context of how we work with that, because it's important to begin with awareness, exactly what happens in our nervous system, how we respond. So that um, through that awareness, we can create leverage. I start my book with this quote, um, we must see the invisible to do the impossible. So that's why we start, right? Ooh, Dr. Fowler, you just gave me chills. And I love the fact that you brought up the representation of women in politics, in big business. I mean, when I found out that only 2% of female-owned businesses end up even hitting the million-dollar mark, that floored me that it was so low. And I am like on a crusade to help more women get to that get to that space yeah and it was interesting because I just had um Isla Freer who I just who gave a TED talk on the same stage as me and she's a 13 year old girl she was giving a talk on sexism and I just had her on the podcast as well and she mentioned as a 13 year old girl she sees that she's not being represented in her in in politics and governance she said you know most of the representation is balding white men <laughs> and yeah. and the ability to recognize that perception that subconsciously we're seeing all that we're not actually represented in yes. different areas and so how do we as women rise into that without adopting the same masculine energy mm-hmm. strategies that got us to the patriarchy in the first mm-hmm. place oh that's such a great question and and and, and she's so right and it starts so early that programming there's another study that blew my mind a recent study i believe it was published in 2017 where they really show how early that starts that gender programming they read a story where they talked about the main character as being really really smart and they did not disclose the gender the main character and then they asked five-year-olds mixed gender group if they thought it was a boy or a girl, well, it's binary. So it's like, has that going too. So, um, and pretty much equally, boys said it's a boy, girls said it's a girl. So far, so good. Now they introduce the same experiment to six and seven-year-olds just as they begin to get socialized in school. And overwhelmingly, the girls said, oh, it's a boy. The one who is very very smart. So yeah, it begins to get attributed, like the smarts begin to get attributed as a gendered characteristic, as a male characteristic. And they did more studies where uh, school-aged girls were asked to do a math assignment. And before the assignment, they gave them a questionnaire. And the only difference was that one group had a question about gender. They had to check how they identified, right? And those who had that question and they checked F for female, they did way worse on the test versus the control group. Just being reminded that we're in a female body triggers that trauma. That's how deep that runs. And so I'm sharing this to set the stage for how we work with that because it runs very deep. It definitely runs beyond our conscious 
concept of who we are, we can be really confident, we can be really competent and still be affected by this because it operates in our subconscious. And so is there a pivotal moment? Like one of the things for me that really transformed my perception of my own personal power was having my children and the experience of going through two natural childbirths where I was like, my husband was in awe of me throughout the experience. And he was just like, you're just such a a queen doing that. And I, I looked at him like, yeah, no man would be able to handle this. And that experience really showed me my own personal power as a woman and whether you've had children or not, that the ability that we are able to produce life through us, for me, sends such a signal of power. And so when did this power start getting repressed? Like when Mm -hmm. did the patriarchy start coming into play to repress the the power Mm -hmm. of women? Because we have the power to produce life through us. And yeah. I think that's such a remarkable power that when we actually embody that, it, it changes the game. Yeah, it's it's such a great question. And there are different theories about that. And one of the theories is that patriarchy really began advancing once human society figured out that men had anything to do with conception and birth. Because at least that that's the theory that they used to believe that women were these magical beings. They gave birth to humans, but then men figured out, oh, wait, it has something to do with me. And then they started figuring out, then they started figuring out paternity. And that was around the time when private property also started figuring into the communal um, existence and laws. And it all became pretty much driven, according to this theory, by economics and control, right? Basically, controlling a woman's body meant controlling everything, everything. You control a woman's body, you control means of production from the economic standpoint. Wow, I've never even thought of it from that perspective of the economics of that. It just sounds like men want found out that they could get a participation trophy in in helping with the production of humanity. Went Um, so far beyond that. And yeah, and how did we unlearn over time, right? How did we unlearn our power and our divinity through a lot of traumatic conditioning? And that reclamation is really big. Reclamation is really big. I mean, we're definitely on that path of reclamation. It's this no doubt about that. And it's um it's a pretty windy path because they I mean thousands of years, right? And so many areas where that that power that had been taken away from us, those areas where that is hidden. And oftentimes it's surprising, like one of the surprising studies, right? Actually, really, really, I really did not see that coming. So recently they did this study looking at how women abdicate financial decisions to men. And they did it across generations. So they did baby boomers, Gen Xs, millennials. And guess what was the highest category where women abdicated their financial decisions? It was millennials. It was millennials. I know. I was so shocked. 
because here, here we have the generation that grew up with the most opportunity, yes, compared to the previous ones. And yet more than 50% of women, close to 60% of women abdicate financial decisions to men. Why? From the standpoint of PSD, it makes sense. I talked about it with Arnush Tarabi, who, uh, who wrote When Women Make More. We had this great conversation on her podcast about this phenomenon because she talked about, about this in, in her book. And it makes total sense because check this out. Our subconscious interprets us stepping into our power as unsafe, right? And so through trauma adaptations, which I really need to name what the heck that is, but I'm, I'm just going to say it for now. Abdicating financial decisions to your male partner is a trauma adaptation because we subconsciously dilute that power because again, subconsciously we're concerned that it's not safe in the relationship to have too much power. And we work with high achieving women who make shit tons of money and they uncover to their great surprise that subconsciously they had that, that story, not a conscious story, but a story that did show up in their thinking and decision-making that if she makes more than her partner, their relationship is going to be in trouble. And then they, they subconsciously held themselves back in business, right? Shocking. Shocking for all of us. I did that too at some point. I talk about it in my book, My Rude Awakening. It's not pretty waking up to these patterns, but necessary to see the invisible, right? Can you talk a little bit more about those trauma adaptations that we've had? Yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll talk about them briefly to give you a sense of how we work with that. Also, that's a nice transition. So First, when I talk about trauma, I know for a lot of folks, maybe what's coming up is images of like life-threatening circumstances. I actually broaden the definition of trauma when I talk about it. I mean, any event or experience that made you feel unsafe in your fullest authentic expression, unsafe physically or emotionally, and led to creating trauma adaptations to keep you safe. Now, what that means. So trauma adaptations can show up in your mind as thinking and stories. They can show up in your body as different somatic reactions uh, and health expressions as well. And they show up in actions, behaviors, choices, right? So in the mind, they can show up as that inner critic, that imposter syndrome as mental fog, lack of clarity. You probably hear hear this from your clients, right? right. I know. Self-loathing. Yeah. The, the deference of decision-making to a business partner okay. or that, to a man. That too. Yeah. Lack of that self-trust waiting for that external validation. And it's subtle. It's subtle because we are so damn smart. So our adaptations are smart too, you know, because they rationalize everything. And remember, they operate in the subconscious and the conscious mind catches on later. So if something feels unsafe to you, you have this speaking opportunity. It feels unsafe, but you don't even know it. What you know is that instead of responding, you are doing your social media research for three hours and then you are with uh, a carton of hugging dust in one hand and a big spoon with the other. and and the remote in your lap and you're just right not there 
not your fault. That's how it operates, right? We need to reestablish that safety. And basically the trauma adaptations establish safety by holding us back in this invisible in the prison where that is created by patriarchal expectations, right? And what is okay, what's not okay for a woman. And definitely being in your full power feels very, very dangerous. So that's the mind. Also, the so-called adult ADD, ADHD, right? I'm not minimizing the pain of the condition, but I want to point out that it also serves the function of, well, when we're distracted, we're not in our full power. And also tracking all these stimuli, it is a trauma adaptation because if only we track everything, we track threat, we track danger, nothing bad will ever happen, right? We're on high alert. So anxiety, depression also start out as trauma adaptations. Uh, anxiety is that mobilizing energy, Woo, be on high alert. Depression is that energy going down, playing dead. That's fight, flight, freeze responses. Also on the level of the body, trouble sleeping, trouble relaxing, uh, just stopping and relaxing, feeling pleasure. Gosh, pretty much go down the list of any physical condition that is related to stress, specifically and especially chronic stress, and that has unprocessed trauma at the root, like autoimmune conditions affect women overwhelmingly and particularly women of color. So we got to be looking at, well, what is at play here? Really, really? And there's a lot of intergenerational trauma there and chronically feeling unsafe. Not going around thinking, oh, I'm unsafe, I'm unsafe. But our nervous system is constantly in overdrive. And ironically, the more visible we are, the more we are reaching for impact and wealth and building these great lives, the more the nervous system goes, are oh, you crazy? You're going to get yourself killed. And again, it's happening under the radar and it's going to show up for a lot of high achieving women. It shows up as our health breaking, my story of discovering patriarchy stress disorder uh, happens in the emergency room, right? When, And I know so many other high-achieving women whose trajectories were interrupted by ending up in an emergency room because we go, go, go until we can't go anymore. And the levels of stress that are health-threatening are perceived as normal. When I ended up in the ER with the levels of stress that shut down the left side of my body, that did not feel abnormal to me. That felt exactly the way I felt my entire life, right? So that's the mind and the body. I'm going to pause before I go to the, the, the actions, how they show up in action. Oh, both like all of it. And all of it are things I've experienced as, as well of, of, I mean, only recently when I uh, had the opportunity to have a TEDx talk, like my body, um, I started having like fascial pain, complete oh. fascial pain where my Ooh. my body felt like I could barely move. Like it was, it hurt to be touched because it was, it was super painful. But I also consciously knew I was like, I'm going to a new level of visibility through yeah. this experience yeah. and visibility through exploring and sharing indirectly about a past, uh, about a trauma that I'd experienced with, with my dad dying and also some of the trauma that I'd grown up with, with him being an addict. And revealing that so it was like compounded yeah. experiences and on top of that 
recognizing how that was manifesting in my body. And fortunately, I'm blessed with a husband who sees that and he would just tell our boys like mama's processing um, and then like give her some space and give her that time, but allowing those emotions to flow through and allowing it, but seeing it also trace back to this generational pattern of the patriarchy and of the repression of complete visibility as, as a woman yeah. and really that embodiment of the power. So how, how do we, how do we embody our power when we're facing these consistent yeah. traumatic triggers yeah. that happen as we are the high achievers who still want to go for those big things without ending up in the emergency room, without exactly. ending up needing a uh, medical attention because of the somatic responses. And that's the billion dollar question right there, Kimberly. I hope you are enjoying this episode as much as I am because I am such a lifelong lover of learning, as I know you are too. One of our core values here at Crown Yourself is grow or die. And that is why in every podcast episode and in every episode of Queen TV, I always love to give you additional goodies that can go deeper on a topic if a particular episode or topic is stimulating your curiosity. And as we know, curiosity is the mother of invention and of experimentation and of growth. And so if you are finding this episode to be particularly enlightening, exciting, it's getting your juices flowing, and you want some more books on the topic, then scroll down in the description and click on the additional recommended books for this episode. And you can just grab them straight away in your Amazon account and get them delivered to your door so that you can continue to foster and further your curiosity, interest, insights, strategies, and skill sets from this episode. Click below for the additional reading recommendations, and let's continue the podcast. So yeah, so I'm going to circle back to those trauma adaptations just for a moment to give a more complete picture, mind, body, actions. Right? We know from neuroscience that our actions are decided in our subconscious. And the subconscious is going to make a decision based on what feels safe or unsafe. But what we're going to experience, we're going to experience a story, right? So let's say you have a big proposal that you have an opportunity to submit and it feels so unsafe. And there's a story that comes up, well, that's not exactly in my area, or they're not going to pick mine anyway, or there's just some procrastination that kicks in and then, oops, I missed the deadline, right? And it happens to the best of us. This is not a flaw or fault or failing. Yeah. And a lot of addictive behaviors fall into this category, right? Because we all need to take off the edge. We, we all need to numb when it is too much. So how we work with that, if you remember what I shared about trauma as something that made us feel unsafe, right? So healing trauma is creating safety, creating safety. And how we do it, we work directly with the nervous system, rewiring the nervous system, reprogramming the subconscious to perceive these opportunities as safe. And it takes, it takes practice, it takes repetition, and it also takes community. That is a key component here. All our traumas were received in community, even if it was a community of one other human 
right? Who didn't give us the right reflection of ourselves. We all grew up in some kind of a fun house or another where our reflections were not correct. They were partial according to the capacity of those around us and sometimes very distorted. So to have the experience where we can have the reflections of our wholeness, of our rightness, that there's nothing wrong with us, and our bigness with others who have capacity for their own bigness, and that means for ours as well, right? So that is how we work with um, healing PSD and, oh, by the way, other kinds of trauma as well, because the instruments, the tools are exactly the same wherever that, that, that trauma is, be it personal or, or intergenerational. And what happens when we just begin to feel safe? I have this story that I share in the book about Leslie, who was in a high-level mastermind, invested a ton to be there. She was transitioning from her corporate career to being an entrepreneur. So she definitely took herself seriously and was not afraid to invest and show up. And after she shared something in the group, another entrepreneur approached her and asked her if she would consult on a project that he had and would compensate her to the tune of over $350,000. It was like 360 some. And when she shared that with me, she and I were having a call about doing this work. She quickly moved on. And I was very curious, like what happened with this project? That sounds so exciting. And she was like, what project? Um, oh, oh the, the one that the entrepreneur, and I kept asking her questions and she kept not going there. And then I understood that that offer didn't actually register for her as real, as really for her. She obviously, I mean, she was able to relay the story, but she did not for a second consider that that was real and that she could take it. And after our conversation and working with some prison guards showing up in the moment, she was able to go back. The offer was still on the table. And then more prison guards kicked in and she went into flight and she just went, no, I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to work on my trauma. It was too much, right? And that is what's driving me, right? Women walking away from piles of money, from opportunities we don't even perceive. I keep asking myself, what are the opportunities for me today that I'm not even perceiving because my prison guards are putting the veils on them, right? I, I have disqualified myself before I even considered. And I want to, because so many high achieving women that, they, they, you know, hit that point where either their health or their relationships are falling apart. And then conversely, when we're doing this work, miracles, literally miracles happen. Like we have thrivers who have way beyond doubled 5x, 8x, 10x their revenue year over year without doing it. You brought up that masculine energy, right? Not doing it in a patriarchal push, push, push way, but actually working less, being more in their pleasure, showing up authentically, 
their relationships, they're reclaiming their intimacy, they're enjoying sex again, they're enjoying like hot dates with their loved ones or starting a relationship with somebody who's finally on their level, can see their wholeness. They're actually enjoying their time with their kids, their kids are transforming, their behavior is transforming, how their kids relate to themselves is changing, right? And all of this is possible when we uncover those internal prohibitions and go from feeling unsafe and living in survival, right? With all that it comes with that Sisyphus labor of pushing so hard that rock up the hill, but then something happens and down the hill it, it rolls. And it just doesn't have to be hard. I guess that's my one of my core messages here is it can be easy. It actually can be easy. And I'm on a mission to create, help women create that and experience that ease. So powerful and so much to dive in. I want to, I want to circle back to this one point that you said that it takes community to create the trauma. And I believe it was, um, his name is Dr. Mario Martinez, I think. And he says, yeah, how health impacts community. And he gave one really powerful example in an interview that I heard where he said, women going through menopause in Mm -hmm. some cultures, it's like called like basically like translated as to like the death where you're just that's you're done you're done having children you're done being of use to society versus i believe it was in the japanese culture the the translation for the word menopause really meant like wise woman so like mm-hmm. transitioning from being the childbearer into wise woman and he's actually paralleled and seen the difference of chronic disease and autoimmune responses between cultures based on this cultural communal paradigm of how they perceive this massive transition in women's lives oh wow that gives me chills i love his work by the way very powerful work and really shows how collective forms those subconscious that subconscious programming about aging about health and longevity and other things right math performance goodness yeah. how much money we, we we can make how much impact we can have in um, the cultures where most women that we work with uh, tend to come from right like the united states and um Canada, Australia, Europe, South America too, some African countries, there is such programming around, well, I call it patriarchal war uh, on women that just takes different shapes depending on the woman's stage of life. Uh, when a woman is young and desirable from the sexual standpoint, the woman is right that object being objectified that's how the war is waged in women and then later on the woman is means of production whether it's children and work right we a woman's labor has been free throughout patriarchy it's it's a very new thing that we even get paid for our work. So if some of our listeners, if you're having some quote unquote money mindset issues, maybe consider that it's not just you, right? It's a new thing for us that we get paid at all. And then later when we are moving into our wise years, then patriarchy 
decides, oh no, she's a wise woman now. Well, to hell with that. So it discredits women, it attacks women's bodies. No, it's not okay to age. It pushes all that toxicity of just basically devaluing a woman's being, a woman's body, a woman's mind. Have we heard that before? Yeah, like throughout the patriarchy. And it's just so important to understand, right? All that, all these are tools, are tools of oppression and how they affect us because the effects, even if we don't buy into that, like to hell with that, I'll have my wrinkles and enjoy them. But, but subconsciously, and that's what Dr. Mario Martinez also talks about that subconscious programming, it's still playing out, right? But we can get to it. We can. Our body, we, we work with the body directly to get to the subconscious mind. We work with different means, the metaphors and uh, deep guided meditation processes. There are different ways that bring together the mind, conscious and uh, subconscious, the body, the energy, that actually shift that. And that's the most exciting thing is that not only trauma is genetically transmitted, but so is healing. And yes. And oh, that's, you, that's so exciting for me. Yes. And, and I think for anyone who has children and who is, is a, and anyone who is a mentor to children or who has nieces and nephews, like it can be reprogrammed and that generation, like yes. we can heal it for generations. Absolutely. And if, if you have kids, don't worry, you haven't messed them up already because you passed that, that no, when you heal, you, you change, they heal and they change. And so does everyone around you, regardless of their age. And that's the most exciting thing. I think this this is really how we change the world by embodying this change. Amen. And now you mentioned prison guards. Can you touch on a little bit what those prison guards are that prevent us from really reaching our full potential? Yeah, well? and that's right. That's uh, how I refer to trauma adaptations. So prison guards, aka trauma adaptations, and then they show up in mind, body and actions holding us back. And in this approach, in the way that we work with it, we help them evolve to bodyguards. We're not fighting against our biology. We're not saying, oh, just do it anyway. But then of, of course, the repercussions can be um, unpleasant, right? On our health, etc. So by creating safety and rewiring the nervous system, we can actually use the same biological mechanisms that are designed to keep us safe, but we can consciously control them instead of them subconsciously controlling them and driving the bus, right? So let's say like it's about boundaries, right? And maybe based on your trauma, your boundaries are more like five foot thick cement walls, like up to high heavens. Uh, these are not boundaries, these are walls, but that's how you're keeping yourself safe. But then you can't really connect and you, you feel lonely, et cetera, et cetera, right? When we evolve that prison guard into bodyguards, you can absolutely have that impenetrable wall when you're actually in danger or when something you're not feeling safe. But then in most situations, you can lower that wall, right? And enjoy meaningful connections. 
Oh, so powerful. And especially with when it comes to boundaries, like what I see a lot with many of my clients is it's the blurring of boundaries. It's the lack of yeah. decision making. It's like, well, they did A, so I guess I'll let them, you know, get away with it or get, you know, get a jail free card. And and so with that, that's very much a deference of, of decision making and of, I mean, can that be traced to PSD as well? Yeah, boundaries is a deep well, deep, deep, deep. We can have a long conversation on boundaries alone. And yes, it can be traced to PSD as this one kind of intergenerational trauma and all other traumas as well. And let's just, looking at it broadly, a woman could never have her boundaries because a woman's life did not belong to a woman. Her body did not belong to her. Zero sovereignty. Her time did not belong to her. These are all very recent things. And still, like a lot of our women start this work and they're like, oh, I don't know if I can do this work because I don't have the time. And I'm like, well, if you don't have the time, then who the F has your time? Because somebody does. Let's figure out who has your time? It's a very important question, right? That is such a good question. That is such a good question. Yeah. And that's boundaries too. Boundaries can be very, very subtle, right? They're not always so obvious, those issues with boundaries. But what is obvious is your energy level is low. You don't have the time. Oftentimes, okay, money is also maybe a little bit of a like an area that could be improved. And this is these are all indicators that okay, maybe boundaries need to be revisited. And again, it all comes down to creating that safety, embodied safety, rewiring for even have the permission to have boundaries because that's scary shit. When you know. It could be. Sometimes women we work with, they have, they, they're thought leaders. They have big things to say out there and they struggle having meaningful conversations in their own kitchen, in their own bedroom, because these boundaries are harder to set because it feels more like more is at stake, rocking that boat. And uh, it's vulnerable and Again, not their fault. There's nothing wrong with them. And it's important to recognize that we're all in the same boat and have compassion for ourselves and know that this can be changed. Amen. Oh, Dr. Valerie, I have I have loved every second of this interview and I would love to jump into a little bit of rapid fire. Let's Are do it. Who is your favorite female character in a book or a movie and why? <laughs> I wanted to say my my daughter is my favorite character, <laughs> and she writes books. So so technically, that is correct. I don't know. I um I love so many of them. I I really can't pick. I I think Maleficent of late in the 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 new movie is a very powerful character and really speaks to that female like the the PSD trauma. Oh, powerful. What woman would you want to trade places with, dead or alive? Oh, no, 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 not, no, not anyone at all. I really love my life. I would never <laughs> trade places. Not even just for a day to like see how they think? 
I would be happy to be their like friend and companion and walk around with them and, and see, like, I, I would hang out with Sarah Blakely and just try to figure out like how she thinks and what that is, right. Uh, kind of energetically how she makes these calls and does these bold moves. I think I would really enjoy hanging out with Sarah, not trading places, but hanging out with. Oh, yeah. I, I saw Sarah Blakely speak at uh, Tony Robbins Business Mastery, and I was like, oh, my gosh, my hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so love her. What is your morning routine like to set you up for success? Yeah, it fl- ebbs and flows. It's, it's not like something that has been stable throughout the years. Lovemaking is um, a pretty much a stable staple in my morning routine. Some yoga, some movement some practices that we uh, teach our thrivers to moving the emotions through the body so that we start the day clear and ready, right? To receive and expand. Amazing. Oh, I love it. You're the first person I have ever had to say that love making was a part of your morning routine. And I think that's beautiful and brilliant. If you were to have your success at twice the speed, what would you have done differently? Got you. And it does come down to PSD, actually. I I would have recognized much sooner that it was PSD and not me. I would have recognized much sooner that I didn't need to get more, more, more degrees, certifications, read more books, work with more mentors before I could trust that I know what I'm saying and what I'm doing. Oh, brilliant. Trust is so pivotal. What would you say is your kingdom? Mm, my queendom. Your queendom kingdom. Your, your <laughs> queendom. Uh, yeah, my queendom. Uh, my daughter uh, calls me mom the queen. So I guess every everything is my queendom. Uh, life is my queendom. So I love playing with my family. I love playing in my business with, um, with our thrivers, creating a new reality for all women with them. I really see us as this task force on the planet right now, embodying the change we want to see in the world. And yeah, that's my queendom, my sandbox, my, my lab, <laughs> all of the above. Happy place. Awesome. And lastly, how do you crown yourself? Uh, with pleasure. I, I, I think it's really just being in the smallest experiences and big experiences of pleasure. Just just now before our interview, I, uh, I was on a walk with my daughter who happened to be uh, out of school today. And just enjoying, just enjoying holding hands and chatting and having the freedom and the luxury of taking a walk in the middle of the day and taking a dance break and doing whatever, you know, lovemaking, like my favorite things. It's really, to me, this is what it's all about, right? Amazing. Dr. Valerie, how can we find you? How can we work with you? I know that many of our listeners will have received so much value from this. Well, I am very grateful to hear that. DrValerie.com, that's D-R-V-A-L-E-R-I-E.com is where you can download the first chapter of my book and actually pick up the book as well. And note 
when you're on that website, note that we have a live experience coming up and don't miss it. Tickets start at three. It's called the Thriving Experience. You can also go directly to the thrivingexperience.com. And this is a very magical place, space where women gather from all around the world and a unique opportunity to experience not just receiving the information because i mean there's plenty of that to go around but experiencing the transformation where you are being witnessed by other powerful women you are doing these practices together helping you uncover these prison guards open the the gates to your thriving to your pleasure to how good can it get right i talk about it as shifting from the paradigm of how much can i bear as a strong powerful woman let me carry some more to how good can it get how easy can it get how fun how profitable how amazing so that's what we that's the world we're creating i really hope that you can join us and experience it and your presence will uplift us all. So that's the thriving experience.com. Oh, yeah. And I'm on Instagram, Dr. Valerie Rain. I love DMs. And um, yeah, I'm going to stop here. <laughs> we will link to everything down below. Dr. Valerie, it has been a absolute pleasure. I have learned so much. Definitely mm. pick up the book Patriarchy Stress Disorder and start really understanding these these generational traumas both for men and for women i think i think Absolutely. men can learn a ton when you are able to hold the space for the women in your life uh, yeah. for creating that transformation as always my fellow sovereigns own your throne mind your business because your reign is now thank you so much for tuning in today if what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crownyourselfnow or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business and life that rules.